Hey everyone, I have a time-sensitive announcement to share with you. Earlier this month, LifeSite was hit with another online censorship attack, this time on TikTok, after publishing the truth about the corrupt administration in the United States. In fact, LifeSite is still permanently banned on Facebook, and our main YouTube channel was wiped out, which is why we are only on the John Henry Weston Show YouTube channel. So, this is because the prince of this world hates the truth, and we at LifeSite are committed to bringing you the fullness of the truth even if the globalists and atheists don't want you to hear it. To help us push forward with our truth-telling mission, I urge you to join us during this special Advent and Christmas season with your prayers and almsgiving. Help us at LifeSite build a culture of life for you, your children, your grandchildren, in the face of massive opposition. By uniting your prayers and your giving with us at LifeSite, you promote our pro-life and pro-family mission of building a culture of life around the world. In fact, when you support LifeSite, I urge you to write a prayer in our comment box. It's a perfect way to infuse your prayer and almsgiving with a charity like LifeSite that you can trust, knowing that we will personally read and pray over all your intentions. We need your prayers and almsgiving now more than ever. We at LifeSite must reach our end-of-the-year fundraising goal, and we have no corporate sponsor, which makes LifeSite's grassroots support from people like you miraculous. So please, as you listen to today's interview, click in the donation link at the top in the description of this video and offer your almsgiving and prayer to LifeSite News. This is the moment we need all of our viewers, even first-time viewers. Join the mission for life, faith, family, and freedom with LifeSite. Join us now with a financial gift of any amount by clicking the first link in the description below and be a force for good in the world. Also, don't forget to pray with your financial gift. Every little bit helps. So thank you, and may God bless you. We're seeing now skyrocketing mortality across the, the country. I can reassure your listeners that when they get the COVID a second time, it's gonna be much milder. We use over-the-counter therapies and do just fine. One of the most important therapies is intranasal virucidal washes and gargles. That means dilute povidone iodine, dilute hydrogen peroxide, sniffing it up in a solution and spinning it out and then gargling with it. This is one of the most effective things to stop a cold, stop influenza, stop respiratory syncytial virus and stop COVID. We have a super special guest with us, Dr. Peter McCullough, whom everybody should know is the most published physician probably in the world, especially on the coronavirus. But he, of course, is being cancelled, not only by the likes of the social media giants. By the way, he's back on Twitter. Uh, but he's being cancelled also by the medical profession, which is so scary and really shows where we are at. If you're watching on YouTube, you won't be able to watch this. Please go direct to LifeSightNews.com on our video page. And there you can watch this interview. This is the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned.
every single day there are new developments in the culture war. You need to stay on top of the news from the front lines around the world. At LifeSite, it's actually our mission to serve you the truth on life, faith, family, and freedom so that you can be an effective soldier for Christ. Subscribe now and never miss an important development in the culture war that you need to know about, all from a faithful Catholic perspective. And check out the links below to get involved with our reporting and our pro-life partners. Thank you and God bless you. Dr. Peter McCullough, so good to be with you again. Thanks for having me. Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So lots has been happening over the last little while. We'd love for you to give us updates. But one of the things I heard you say just a little while ago was about the transfer of mRNA or something from the vaccines into breast milk. Is that the case? Yeah, we've been very disturbed with the report published by Hannah and colleagues in uh, JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, uh, clearly finding messenger RNA contained in the breast milk of, of nursing mothers who have taken the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, uh, in that paper, uh, the authors conclude that the messenger RNA must be everywhere. It must be in the bloodstream, other secretions. If it's in breast milk, it's in oral and urogenital secretions, sweat. And in a paper by uh, Vertik and colleagues, they found that messenger RNA was in high concentrations in the bloodstream for 15 days. And that's as long as they looked after vaccination and, and the curves were not going down. This is concerning that the vaccinated are walking around with circulating foreign genetic code. And remember, uh, the messenger RNA, Pfizer Moderna, is the genetic code for the lethal Wuhan ancestral strain spike protein. That's the spine on the ball of the virus. That's what causes all the problems, heart damage, blood clots, neurologic damage, that this is circulating free in the bloodstream uh, attached to lipid nanoparticles now in breast milk. Now, we don't know the fate of what happens when it goes into the baby's gastrointestinal tract. Is it uh, broken down by stomach acid and other uh, proteolytic enzymes, or does it survive? But this is very concerning. Another report came in by Helene Hanoon from INSERM, uh, one of the best research uh, units in Europe. And it, it covered comprehensively the issue of shedding. And shedding of the genetic code is most concerning. For those who have not taken the vaccine, most of them did not take the vaccine for a reason. They didn't want to take the vaccine. Now there's a threat to them that, in fact, the vaccine is getting into their body via shedding. So I think it's clear in the Hanoon paper that kissing, uh, sexual contact, almost certainly are methods of transference breast milk we've talked about. We don't know about uh, sweat, casual um, uh, contact, or you know, through the breath, through what's called exosomes. Uh, but I think that the uh, fluid contact for sure. So people have asked me, you know, what should we do if there's a, a, a couple uh, and one has taken the vaccine, one hasn't for good reasons, you know, how long should they abstain from, for instance, from sexual intercourse? And I used to say 30 days, but now based on these papers and, and a, a recent a paper from uh, Rotkin and colleagues from Stanford published in Cell, found that the messenger RNA was found in the lymph nodes for months afterwards. So it's not getting out of the body. So I'm saying at least for 90 days, and I don't know for how long, but I think it's disturbing that this, this line of vaccines has never been shown to actually exit the body. It looks like each shot is potentially permanent. 
And is there an effect of like a building effect when they get more of the vaccine with subsequent uh, shots? Well, there are many possibilities. The, the body is trying to break down the messenger RNA. Now, it has synthetic nucleoside analog caps at the three prime and five prime end of the messenger RNA that make it nearly indestructible. But there must be fragments that are developed. And uh, the fragments are concerning because anytime we have fragments of genetic material, it's it's it has the potential that these fragments could inter, inter, you know, interact with other gene sequences. And the great concern about that is cancer and whether or not uh, you know, there could be oncogenic. The vaccines were never tested uh, to give assurances that, uh, you know, that they were free of cancer risks. Um, you know, I, I think at this point in time that the data are too immature to be able to make a, a call on cancer. I, I'm focused on what the FDA agrees the vaccines do which has caused heart damage, uh, blood clots, and neurologic damage. Those three are, those three are big enough as it is. Uh, the, the medical literature is filled with uh, these reports. And, and most of this is, is not the messenger RNA itself, but it's the spike protein that's produced by the messenger RNA. The spike protein is also long-lasting. Uh, the lead expert who studied this is Bruce Patterson at IncelDX, and he's found the spike protein after the infection and after the vaccines to be very long-lasting, months if not years. Now, the body tries to, to, to encapsulate the spike protein into uh, cells called monocytes, CD16-positive monocytes. We know that there is a burden of spike protein. And so there's a theory now, uh, and Aditi and colleagues get credit for this theory, it's called the spike protein super antigen theory, meaning we're all loaded with this, whether we've had the infection or the vaccines or both, we're loaded with the Wuhan ancestral spike protein and, uh, and the new mutant variant spike proteins with the infection. And so the population in general is at risk now for blood clots. Uh, for heart damage, for acceleration of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, that the immune system is distracted. So therefore, we're predisposed to respiratory syncytial virus or influenza virus outbreaks. Or uh, a few months ago, we had no adenovirus 41 outbreak and children with liver failure, some needed transplant, some died. Uh, this SARS-CoV-2 outbreak was bad enough as it is, but now the mass vaccination program, which has been administered to two-thirds of the world's population, has been a debacle. One of the things that I'd like you to focus on is just the difference between uh, those who are who have received the vaccines and those who didn't get it. Uh, one of the stats you pointed to was from, I believe it was Australia, uh, with regard to their uh, mortality rate post-vaccine. It's true. We're seeing now skyrocketing mortality across the, the country. And we've had a Senate panel on December 7th, 2022, and data were presented by Edward Dowd, former BlackRock uh, financial manager, and Josh Sterling, a uh, insurance industry expert. And they both reported that insurance claims for death in 2021 and 2022 have skyrocketed from prior years. Recall that we had COVID-19 in 2020 for the full year, and, and there really wasn't an increase in all-cause mortality, but it really ticked up in 2021 and 2022, skyrocketed, in fact. And the only new exposure now is mass vaccination. We're seeing it across the world. Recently, uh, there's a report out of Germany that clearly shows that that step up. Life insurance companies have never paid out so many claims. What's greatly needed is uh, epidemiologic research to figure out what vaccines were taken, when were they taken, and families can help out greatly 
if someone has not taken the vaccine and they suddenly died, the families can help the public and doctors immediately uh, rule out the vaccine by saying, listen, my loved one did not take the vaccine. But yet we don't hear that. And when we research it, for instance, Irene Kara, uh, the one who song, sang the song on Flashdance, uh, you know, she tweets out that she's having the vaccine on her birthday and then she's found dead. Uh, Hank Aaron, for baseball player, he's the first one. He probably has a press release. He takes the vaccine a few days later. He's dead. And we see public figure after public figure. So recently there's been a mini documentary uh, that's on the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation website. I did it with esteemed cardiologist uh, Asim Malhotra from the UK. And the title of it is Until Proven Otherwise. And what we've said now is that when someone dies suddenly and they have no antecedent illness, there's no drug overdose, suicide, uh, or motor vehicle accident. There's no obvious cause of death. They simply die. That it is the COVID-19 vaccine as the presumed cause of death until proven otherwise. Now, if the family comes out and, and rules out the vaccine that they didn't take it, fine. But what we're seeing is families are remaining silent. And, and, and it's almost as if there's a shame or there's guilt or there's other feelings of a remorse or wrongdoing, and no one's coming clean on this. What we're finding in autopsy studies is astounding. Uh, a recent paper by Schwab and colleagues from Heidelberg, Germany, very esteemed pathology group, uh, examined people who died within 20 days of taking the vaccine, and they were found dead at home. And the bombshell report was that 71% of the deaths was clearly due to something the vaccine causes, like heart damage, blood clots, acceleration of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, intracranial hemorrhage, et cetera. So you know, that supports this idea of until proven otherwise. We've just had three uh, journalists, uh, oppressors at the World Cup die. And I just tweeted this out. I said, listen, people go to the World Cup because they're in good health. If someone was, you know, I had a terminal illness, they, they wouldn't be there trying to broadcast the game. We have to assume that this affects the fatal effects of COVID-19 vaccination until proven otherwise. Just a quick note before we return. If you would like to stay up to date on LifeSite's coverage of the latest life, family, and culture news, subscribe to one of our many newsletters by going to lifesitenews.com slash subscribe. And if you'd like to help us bring our truth-telling coverage to millions around the world, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation at give.lifesitenews.com. And now, back to the video. What do you make of these reports we've seen from embalmers uh, finding these strange clotting things? I don't even know what they are, but fibrous things uh, in the veins of people so that they're unable to even push the embalming fluid through. Have you seen any of that and what do you make of it? This may be a part of what's called spike protein superantigen theory. You know, virtually everybody now has either had COVID or the vaccines or both. Embalmers, uh, when they approach uh, a deceased body, the blood is liquefied and they cannulate the vessels and actually drain the blood out so there can be a perfusate of preservative that goes into the body. And what they discovered is that when they cannulate the blood vessels, the blood is not freely draining. So they've dissected the blood vessels and they found these long tubular casts, these rubbery blood clots. And the word rubbery in pathology means amyloid. And when these blood clots have been examined, they actually, they have spike protein in them. The spike protein folds and, and forms uh, amyloid-like material, which is rubbery, 
proteinaceous material within the blood clot. So it is due to the spike protein. The million dollar question is, when did it happen? Uh, based on what I know, and I have a, a, a good experience with pathology, I think most of this is post-mortem, that the blood clots foam porous mode. By the time the the, um, the embalmers get to the, the bodies, you know they've been in refrigeration for many days. And I think that most of this is post-mortem. Now I'll say clinically this week, I've had a patient develop a 14 inch blood clot in their leg and no vaccine, no vaccine. It was just COVID. So I can tell you with blood clots, we have to be aware that COVID-19 respiratory illness and spike protein through that exposure can be the precipitant for a blood clot. And what in your protocol for um, COVID-19, did you actually prescribe things to avoid that kind of thing? Yeah, the McCullough protocol early, we recognized that blood clotting was serious. And so we've always recommended for high-risk cases, full-dose anticoagulation, which is full-dose anoxaparin and other low mycoid heparin, intravenous heparin, or oral anticoagulants, which can be apixaban, rivaroxaban, dabigatran, uh, and others. Aspirin uniformly recommended at the 325 milligram dose. Our Italian colleagues, led by Eric Romaldi, in the uh, the COVID-19 early treatment program there, they use 700 milligrams of aspirin, which they have available there. Uh, I just have someone in my family develop COVID yesterday, and he, he is at risk for atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. 325 milligrams of aspirin. And uh, on the first infection, this is another important point. All of our concern is on the first infection now. We have multiple sources of data that on the second and third infections, the risks are negligible. The risks are negligible. It's very important. A paper by Chin and colleagues published in New England Journal of Medicine, October of 2022, showed among 59,000 prisoners, 17,000 staff. This is an encapsulated uh, group in a congregate settings where they know every detail. When it was the second or third or fourth infection, the risks of hospitalization and death were zero. So it didn't matter whether or not someone took a vaccine, they were zero. So the second and third infection, that huge study, I can reassure your listeners that when they get the COVID a second time, it's going to be much milder. We use over-the-counter uh, therapies and do just fine. One of the most important therapies is intranasal virucidal washes and gargles. That means dilute povidone iodine, dilute hydrogen peroxide, uh, 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 sniffing it up in a solution and spitting it out uh, and then gargling with it. This is mo- one of the most effective things to stop a cold, stop influenza, stop respiratory syncytial virus, and stop COVID. Dr. McCullough, I know you have to run to many other interviews, but God bless you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. So to get some reaction and unpack that just incredible interview, I want to bring in Patrick Delaney, who is one of LifeSite's main reporters on the issue of COVID-19 and the so-called vaccines. Patrick Delaney, welcome to the program. Thank you, John Henry. Great to be here. So just an incredible interview. What highlights did you take from there? Just the idea that the mRNA is persistent in the body, that there's no indication whatsoever that it ever leaves the body, uh, yet they haven't found that yet, is quite frightening, which means that by at least closed intimacy between a mother and her child, nursing a child, or between spouses, one can become vaccinated even though they didn't. Uh, 
even though they didn't take the shot. So I had I know of a couple. They're they're friends of mine, and they had a lot of contention over the shot, and the husband got the shot and the wife didn't. Well, guess what? Uh, looks like the wife got the shot too because he could pass to her the mRNA that would enter her body and uh, perform uh, the tasks of creating the spike proteins and the rest of it. Um, so it's quite frightening. So in injecting a significant part of the population, what this uh, operation has done is really infected this, uh, infected the population far wider than those who were merely injected. Um, and that is quite frightening. One of the things that's just incredible is there's no warning. There was no detail of here's what's going to happen here. You know, there's no literature to say, oh, this is the effect. It's going to be in you for God knows how long and you'll be able to spread it. None of that. Nothing. Exactly. No informed consent. Right. It's a violation of the Nuremberg Code. And the Nuremberg Code, of course, came about as a result of the Nuremberg trials after World War II where the Nazi uh, doctors were uh, convicted and hanged for their crimes of uh, illicit uh, experimentation on prisoners of war. And so basically, what does that mean about our government uh, who orchestrated this entire uh, process from top to bottom? What does it mean that they are violating the Nuremberg Code in a systematic way? Uh, who does that mean has taken over our country, who has taken over the Western world? And what are we going to do about it? I mean, that's uh, those are the major questions that we face, uh, in my opinion, when we look at this in a uh, in a clear, candid way. What strikes me as so amazing is Dr. McCullough is very cautious. He's not he doesn't say things out of hat. We heard him say just there that. He really focuses on the effects of the vaccine that have been admitted by the FDA. We know that there are blood clotting issues due to um, the not only the spike protein, but the blood and neurological issues as a result of the vaccines because they cause this myocarditis. So these are real serious conditions. And even with that, just that, what they do admit when they look at the stats, as he was mentioning, from insurers, you see this unbelievable spike in all-cause mortality only after the vaccines. During 2020, as he said, while they had the pandemic raging, we don't see that massive spike in deaths. In 2021 and 2022, there's this massive spike in deaths, which Dr. McCullough says the only you know, new cause here is the vaccines. Unreal. You know, there's this great quote from J. Edgar Hoover, who is the former head of the FBI, and he had tremendous sort of deep state power. He really kind of founded that, according to my understanding. The individual is handicapped by coming face to face with a conspiracy so monstrous that they can't believe it exists. But we know it exists because we see its effects. We see a, a tremendous amount of coordination that could not have happened. And Naomi Wolf talked about this, that this could not have happened without enormous coordination. Uh, Dr. Michael Yaden from uh, the former Pfizer vice president uh, said the same thing. He said 
in contemplating this, he said the type of people, well, first of all, let me step back. He said, I'm not a religious person. And I had the great privilege of um, interviewing Dr. Yeadon, and we discussed uh, theology and stuff a little bit. And he said, I'm not a I'm not a religious person, but looking at what has happened here, he said the people who orchestrated this and coordinated it and put it together would be the type of people that would worship Satan. That's what this scientist said, this former chief science officer from Pfizer said. And so we have this uh, massive coordination. We can see that which means that it's coordinated because order does not come from chaos. We know that. And so the fact that it's ordered means there's an intelligence behind it, means there's a plan, meaning means it's intentional. And we've just seen, in fact, Dr. McCullough points out in a recent video, we'll, we'll actually take a look at that now, pointing out that, remember the $13 billion from the U.S. government fed into different doctors' organizations, into the NFL and various news groups. Watch this. 21 that the Department of Health and Human Services of the United States launched a program called the COVID-19 Community Corps. And over $13 billion was spent, in a sense, as a government bribe to medical organizations, including the associations of pediatrics, obstetrics and gynecology, uh, various churches, uh, the National Football League, Hollywood. So people have been, in a sense, bribed by governments to support these vaccines. And doctors now are willfully blind to COVID-19 vaccines, uh, injuries, disabilities, and deaths. Each and every patient should trust their own instincts. If they were fine before the vaccine and now they've developed a problem, more likely than not, the problem is due to the vaccines and not due to some other problem that's being uh, ascribed by doctors or hospitals or uh, or nurses or others that are, are coming into contact with patients. In clinical science, we're conservative and we assume that the new product, the new vaccine is the cause of the problem. We never discount it. The plan behind it is clear, at least in terms of its delivery mechanism. They intentionally used 13 billion, not, not just chump change, uh, to feed these organizations to help them convince the public to go for it. All that had to be coordinated as well. I remember Donald Trump, when all this got sort of rolled out and orchestrated in 2020, and he said, they want to give me $800 billion to fight this pandemic. And he was like, well, I guess, you know, I'll sign the bill uh, because he thought that he would be empowered on how to spend it. And I think they, you know, my personal opinion is they put one over on him. Others might think he was part of the whole uh coordination itself. But yeah, and all the money that went to hospitals to give them incentives to diagnose people with COVID and then to give them remdesivir, which was very dangerous and killed a high percentage of people and had to all be prepared ahead of time. So these are all government bribes. It, it all comes from the Federal Reserve, of course. The Federal Reserve is the means by which this happens because they can just print money, which steals from every person who has a dollar in their pocket, it they they get taxed in a certain sense every time they print money, right? So they steal from the people in order to um, bribe others uh, to orchestrate this really um, act of warfare, as far as I can see, against the population. 
Well, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. I want to encourage everyone, follow Patrick Delaney. He does so much very key reporting for LifeSite News on uh, many of the hardest issues, especially on COVID-19, the vaccine rollout, uh, the so-called vaccine, uh, and all of its effects. God bless you, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you, John Henry. And thank you and God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. Every single day, there are new developments in the culture war. You need to stay on top of the news from the front lines around the world. And LifeSite's actually our mission to serve you the truth on life, faith, family, and freedom so that you can be an effective soldier for Christ. Subscribe now and never miss an important development in the culture war that you need to know about, all from a faithful Catholic perspective. And check out the links below to get involved with our reporting and our pro-life partners. Thank you and God bless you. 